0: You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, your faithful editor here. And today I'm speaking with Christy Isinger, which many of you may know her from her post at Catholic Exchange. She also runs the Fountains of Home blog and the Fountains of Carrots podcast with Haley Stewart. So, Christy, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast.
1: Yay! Thank you! I'm excited to be here, Michael. It's so fun um, to talk to you.
0: Always always joy. It's uh, wonderful. I love to turn the tables as well, because you've interviewed me before, but now I get to ask the questions. I
1: know! I know! It's very intimidating. I'm worried you're going to have all these tough questions I'll have nothing to say to. Not
0: yet! <laughs> <laughs> But today I invited Christy for all our readers. know, I invite Christy on here. I wanted to talk with her. She's one of the most avid readers I've ever encountered. A fellow Chesterton fan, and she's always suggesting things for her podcast. It does book groups. Uh, I think you guys are now reading. Is it Hannah Coulter? You're going yeah, to be reading. Yeah,
1: we're, we're gonna we're gonna start Hannah Coulter up very soon. We're very excited.
0: Excellent. And have you read? Uh, that's by
1: Wendell Berry.
0: Very good. Have you read Wendell Berry before? Um,
1: yes, actually, Haley oh. and I had both. We've both been fans of Wendell Berry, and um, mm-hmm. I've read some of his poetry, and then I read Jaber Crow.
0: Jaber Crow is a great
1: book. Yeah, really great. And of course, and so then Haley and I were talking about it, and it turns out that that is the only um novel by Wendell Berry she's read as well so we we thought we both better read Hannah Coulter because that's been on our to read list for a couple years now so we just we said let's make it a you know a book club group um pick mm-hmm. for our podcast and then we'll have a whole episode where we'll talk about it because we love talking about books <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice uh, what we're going to talk about today is uh Christy's a big advocate of reading to your children and sharing literature, and that's what we're discussing. So uh, Christy, start out uh, this interview. Why do you think it's important to read to your kids? Just give me a good two reasons why you think it's important.
1: Ooh, just two. That's-
0: Just two. Jeez, just to keep it <laughs> down to two.
1: Well, obviously, I think um, I think the number one reason is that I think reading to your kids does um, do a lot to build your relationship with your children. And I think it really builds up a beautiful, um, family culture within your family, especially as you share stories as your children grow. I think it becomes part of their childhood and part of their memories. And, and I think that's just beautiful. And it, and it really encourages your children to, you know, bond not only with you and, but, but each other through stories. And so I think that's, that's probably my number one. And then, um, my number two reason to read to children and, and to share stories would probably be to to grow their moral imagination. And I kind of mean that in the in the way that um through stories and especially through, you know, classic and good stories, good books, um our children come to know um good and evil, come to know what is beautiful and good and also virtue and vice. Um through these stories which make which make these big ideas um more approachable and more you know kind of seep into their little brains <laughs> um much easier and in a way that they can understand and grasp um even though we as parents are supposed to be the models of virtue and you know teaching our children what is good um it's also just such a great um tool that really gets into our child's imaginations and Gives them that great formative learning, I think.
0: And you talked about expanding the moral imagination and understanding good and evil. I'm kind of curious, what stories do you think really, or what books do you think really help with forming that moral imagination?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot. Um, I think, <laughs> yes. I think mostly. I think what um, you know, what modern education has tried to, you know, kind of erase from its curriculum and learning is. Fairy tales, and so I think that um, is really foundational um, through the moral imagination, because there's usually there's usually a um, usually a bad guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and if not a bad guy, then there is a problem or something that the main characters, the heroes, have to solve. And usually, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess always, <laughs> always in fairy tales, these these evils and these challenges are overcome in the characters through some form of virtue, whether it be courage or, um, you know, intelligence or kindness. Um, these things come through and then through the fairy tales, the heroes overcome. It is a happy ending. Um, they live happily ever after. And through that, I think it's just those basic connections. Um, hopefully (laughs) our children learn that those virtues, um, you know, can lead to overcoming evil and overcoming challenges in order to, you know, live a good life. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So I mean, I feel really strongly about, um, you know, having a good basis in, um, fairy tales, and then, but also, like, I mean, there's so much to learn from the Little House books. You know, Little House on the Prairie. Um, also, you know, to Harry Potter for, for older kids, I think there's a lot there. There's so many, there's so many good quality children's books. Also just really great picture books now that I think Mm -hmm. are awesome. There's so much, um, in children's literature now that's really good. Although I know it feels like we have to wade through a lot of, you know, (laughs) of a lot of, you know, garbage and twaddly stuff that has no, um, you know, lasting value. So it is hard to, you know, it can be hard to find um, quality, but I think there is a lot out there.
0: I could absolutely see that, but I could also see the frustrations of having to sort through things yeah. I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's frustrating for, like, any of us who walked into, a, you know, to our libraries, and our kids are grabbing stuff off the shelves, and there's so much that you, you know, you, know, you look at and you're just like, no, I'm sorry, this... This th- I can tell right, you know, through two pages that this story is not going to have any.
0: <laughs> you may not have baby's first Necronomicon.
1: No. Yes. No. Exactly. Isn't it? You know. And so, um, yeah. So I mean, it is challenging, but there's so many, um, there's so many great, um, book lists out there now, and especially with, um, you know, the proliferation of great mom blogs, great homeschooling blogs. There's so many. I just feel like there's just there's so there's such a wealth of other people's knowledge out there now that i'm sure you know my mother didn't have or didn't have as easily when you know we were we were growing up so i think that's that's helped a lot is just us sharing you know online and with friends yes. in real life obviously and you know sharing good things that we have found i think that's really helpful
0: Absolutely, and I was also thinking when you were talking about fairy tales and how they can help with the moral imagination. Of course, I thought of Chesterton from *Tremendous Trifles*. Of yes. fairy tales, do not give the child the first idea of the bogey. What they teach is the child the defeat of the, bo- uh, the bogey. That's right. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yes, that's
1: <laughs> exactly it. And you know what? It is. It's. It's a very. You know, it is a basic concept. You know, as Chesterton says, and it's just. I just feel like when we think about that concept, the more we think about it, the more we find that in our modern society we've really taken the value out of that out of mm-hmm. how we view education we don't see you know i think the modern approach to books is a greater focus on literacy which you know is definitely important because you know our public education system can't even teach children to read anymore so we, so i understand the importance obviously of literacy but you know i think we've ignored that through story, um, our children can learn so much. Um, yeah. And we've kind of let that fall, fall away. And I think that's just, yeah, it's just such a shame because it is such a, you know, a beautiful, basic, um, way to teach our kids.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Uh, and the emphasis over literacy is somebody who had a, Tough time learning to read when he was a mm-hmm. child. The whole point of why I wanted to learn to read was so I could read the books that yeah. sounded cool.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and- right? Which is so great. And I think that, um, yeah, but I think I think at the same time we're forcing, you know, we want early literacy and
0: Exactly and we
1: want our kids to like read, 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 but at the same time we're just kind of well, what's the point of reading? Like, and what are they reading? And why mm-hmm. are they reading? You know, we've lost those, <laughs> those fundamental ideas out of our view of education, which is too bad. Just because I know, like, you know, I don't, I'm of the school, I'm homeschooling my children, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of, I've fallen into the, the, uh, school of thought that, you know, later, later is, is best, or to not, um, focus too much on the child learning learning to read at a very early age but when they're ready and so um what that does it means that (laughs) when they can't read everything for themselves that means we're going to have to be reading to them which which you know which is kind you know it feels like geez this is so much work goodness (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or it means that we are you know we get to have that um another layer of control. Well, not, I don't want to say control because it's not control, but it's another layer or another way that we can add to that child's, you know, growth and especially their growth of imagination because we'll be choosing what they're reading and what they're listening to. And um, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's not as much. I, I kind of want our emphasis to not be on so much as if they can read by such an age, but on, how much they're soaking up and how much they're absorbing through what is read to them you know at an age-appropriate level i think that is you know i think that's got a lot of value i guess
0: yes absolutely i actually had no clue that you were also homeschooling on top of everything else so that leads to some new questions (laughs) do you have a do you have a particular time or a particular way that you encourage your children to learn how to read
1: Um, Well, I've kind of, I feel like I've tried to do it pretty naturally. Like I haven't, both my husband and I haven't tried to, um, you know, force them to read or ask them to read um, by a young age. We kind of go by child um, and their readiness. Um, It seems to be that um, my kids do want, they seem to have an interest in learning and decoding words. It seems to be by around six. And so I know that that's a different range and for different kids. Um, so we usually, um, around six start to bring in more, um, you know, more, I guess. <laughs> what's the word i'm looking for organized um approach to learning how to read as opposed mm-hmm. to just sitting down with them with a book so yeah about 6 is when we start um reading programs with um so far i've only you know obviously just done it with my three older kids who are school age so right. um so far that's worked and so far you know i've been really happy with it i've i've been um so far i've been pretty pretty what's the word i'm looking for hmm i guess i've been trying to see where their interest takes them and how much they mm-hmm. are trying to learn and absorb through their books. And actually, like, I've been really surprised at how quickly um, they've caught on or wanted to catch on once they do start that basic... Co- combining of words and combining of letters it's very you know it is really rewarding to see your kids um you know start putting together small words and pretty soon they're opening bigger books that are lying around the house and you know <laughs> my my one son yesterday he's um he's six and he's he's i i guess he's been reading and of you know se- you know seriously or or you know Dedicatedly every day for about a year, and yesterday he opens up his his space science book and he's reading to me about the solar system and and he's reading you know the names of Jupiter's moons and so you know it is it's really exciting to watch them learn and to see that um, my kids have always have always loved um, reading time and like having Aww. my husband and I read to them and I think that's definitely been. Something that's made that transition from us reading to them to them learning to read on their own more, mm-hmm. more smooth, because they know that um, those books they could just pick up and read for themselves the books they like to to hear us read, you know, and so I think that that's definitely an encourager, um, and we definitely you know just because they can read we definitely read, I think we still read yeah, the majority is still picture books to chapter books. You know what I mean?
0: Understandable,
1: yeah, because my oldest is she's eight. And so, you know, like she's still, you know, she could still enjoy good picture books. Jeez, I still enjoy good picture books. <laughs> 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 so I definitely think that that um, yeah, that that reading time, that that exploring different picture books and and, you know, even the picture books that aren't that great, but that they enjoy, you know, Yeah, keep that up while they're, when they're learning to read, when they still can Mm -hmm. pick up their own book. Like, I just, yeah, it's been kind of a, you know, a natural progression, but I definitely, yeah, my older kids definitely still love sitting down with, you know, me or their dad and reading a good picture book. It's very cute. And since we have such a, well, we don't have such a giant age range, but we still have, um, you know, toddlers. And so we're still reading, you know, the little toddler board books and the Dr. Seuss and the rhymes and the poems. So, mm-hmm. so that still is very much part of our day to day. So I think that, you know, maybe I hope, <laughs> I hope come to think of it that that builds upon their. Their love of books and story. I hope that's. I hope that's what's happening. <laughs>
0: oh, eh, we all do. We all do.
1: Yeah, you know, goodness. I hope that's what's happening. You know, a lot of uh um of homeschooling. There's a lot of hope that goes into homeschooling. Let me tell you. <laughs> I... you, you really exercise the virtue of hope, or you pray for it often.
0: <laughs> all of which makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's been it's been really fun. Like I think it's exciting. Because I feel as if um, my kids are just getting to the age where we're beginning to read those really great um, children's children's books. Mm-hmm. Like I just um, read Heidi to my daughter, you know, and that's, I love, you know, I love Heidi. I love The Secret Garden. We're going to start that pretty soon. And we started Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And, and you know, pretty soon they're going to start, you know, The Chronicles of Narnia. And then, you know. Lord of the Rings. Like there's just it's just so exciting to for me, you know, for as a parent to relive those favorite children's novels and mm-hmm. children's books again, especially through your the eyes of your children who have never who don't know how it ends.
0: Oh my gosh, it's right? going to be fun.
1: Yeah. That is It's like,
0: well, oh man, that's uh, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't that doesn't that sound exciting to you? Yeah.
0: Sounds oh, very much yeah. so. I mean, I <laughs> I've probably read Chronicles of Narnia. Right. I want to say at least forty times since I first read them, and who yeah. uh, probably had at least a t- eight or nine times of Lord of the Rings. Is like, right. man, I can't imagine what it would be like to not know how it ends. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. <laughs> I know Especially, that's, that's exactly it. It's super. It's super fun to <laughs> you know hit those books that you that were your favorites again and to mm-hmm. read them for the first time with them.
0: And keep them from the movies till they read the book. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. I always, yeah, that's a very, it's a very hallowed law that I have. (laughs) 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 Oh, except maybe I broke it because I think I've already let, (laughs) because I'm an Anne of Green Gables addict. I think I've let, I think my kids have watched Anne of Green Gables with me because I watch it so frequently. So that one I cheated on. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll admit it.
0: My mom had a similar rule, and I definitely watched Jeeves and Wooster. Well, oh. before I, honestly, I was probably not age appropriate to watch that show well, when I was watching well, it. But, you know what? Oh well. With,
1: with Jeeves and Wooster, you just the, the age appropriate jokes you just weren't getting,
0: exactly. and then you when you
1: read the books again or watch the shows again, all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, this is way funnier than I remember, because <laughs> you just remembered the slapstick when you were a kid, but then once exactly. you get the yeah so good so yes so i think they've watched a little land of green gables (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um yes we've got to wait for the you know i'm sure they'll be excited to see the chronicles of narnia movies and um you know the first couple harry potters you know as they grow (laughs) older it'll be fun
0: wonderful or
1: the lord of the rings oh my gosh my husband's excited to rewatch the lord of the rings with the kids too yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: my nephews just finished reading the books a couple years ago and it was a lot of fun for them to finally get into it it's like finally
1: right i know you know what we actually my husband and i we haven't watched the hobbit movies because we were like we should just let's just wait a couple more years and and watch them for the first time with the kids so that's the plan we haven't watched the hobbit movies we may be disappointed. Who knows?
0: I, I have a feeling you may be, but your yeah. kids will be entertained. Yes, yeah, exactly.
1: That's, what I was going to say, but they hopefully they'll be entertained. That's right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I did have a question. This is something. This is one of those questions that only comes up if you've spent way too much time on Catholic blogs. So hopefully oh, it yeah. appeals to our readers. Hopefully. But when it comes to fantasy and magic, do you think okay. there's a line to draw or anything like that with children?
1: Okay. Yeah. This, yeah, this is a, uh, it's a big question. I think the line to draw, um, happens through the quality of the writing and what Mm -hmm. the writing is trying to say. So, cause you know, I definitely don't want parents to just throw any book at their kids, you know, you know, I don't, and I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would. So (laughs) (laughs) just so I'm clear, but, um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, and with the Harry Potter books, probably, you know, you should read them yourself and then make that decision or read what other Catholic parents have r- written about them. You know, for me, especially with Harry Potter, um, the use of magic to me feels very akin to the use of magic in Narnia or, um, also in Lord of the Rings. Like there is magic used in those and we, yes. re- and we, acknowledge that those are christian classics with harry potter i believe that there's so much good christian themes within the story and i feel as if the ki- and i feel like i feel kids really do differentiate um the magic of fairy tales between magic in real life like i i've never you know my kids have no idea that magic in real life would be you know a thing <laughs> mm-hmm. does that make sense Am I trying, yes. you know, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, like I don't find that that is, um, a source of confusion to them. Like I, I feel that they see this magic the same way they would see the magic in. Yesterday we read, um, Hansel and Gretel with the, the evil witch, you know? Yeah. So I feel as if like it definitely, the use of magic, I think, definitely depends on how the author is using it. So, and that definitely is, you know, a personal, um mm-hmm. and a family decision that has to happen. So I think if you w- oh, um if you look at how the 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 use of magic and fantasy is being used, how the author is using it, and what the author is trying to say by using it's, it, I think that helps a lot. Hopefully,
0: I, I think so too. And uh, I don't have children. I'm very much single here, so I can't really tell people how they should raise their kids. Hmm. Or if anyone's listening to my advice on how to raise their kids, they're really <laughs> coming to the wrong source. I mean. My, my but I you found haven't a,
1: written a book on that yet, Michael?
0: No, and uh, honestly, uh, like I said, uh, I don't know. Getting advice for me about raising kids might be like going to the Kennedys for learning sobriety. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the One thing I do recall from my childhood and also interactions with children is that I think, I think if the, what you've said is the moral background to it and how magic is being presented, because mm-hmm. they, they can understand things that are fantasy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I even knew at six or seven that magic isn't really real and this is all just pretend this is a pretend world just like Star Wars.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, and I don't think, you know, like we read Hansel and Gretel yesterday, like, do my children think they're going to go into the woods and find a house made of candy? Like, you know, I just I don't you know, I don't think so. If they
0: do, they know to stay away now, though. Yes,
1: but they do. They know, and then then they know to watch out for houses made of candy. Um, But, (laughs) but yes, like the thing is, like, what is that? You know, what's that magic being used for? And in Hansel and Gretel, it's being used to show that you know you shouldn't trust everything you see. (laughs) Right. And in Harry Potter, I think it's used more as an example of how to use your gifts. For good or for, for evil. And that's a theme, you know, that's, that's through literature, that's through superheroes, you know, that, that's a common, you know, theme that's, that's a good theme and that, you know, you learn about, that you ponder your whole life, you know, isn't it?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so I think it, it, it's, a, you know, it's a very personal decision and it's, it definitely depends on how the author is using the, the language, the magic, the, is it used as a tool for good storytelling or not? You know, those fun things.
0: <laughs> That's a very good point, and <laughs> it's definitely a question. Like I said, most, some people might be listening, and going, "Why is that even a problem?" But hey, it's right. been enough time online; you'll figure right, exactly, it out. Right? Exactly.
1: That people, yeah, exactly. And you know what? And I, yeah. And, you know, those concerns are you know, I think those concerns are valid and you know
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I uh, under, I totally understand. Yeah. So it definitely, you know, depends on the literature. We all know that there's not great, you know, there is not great literature out there, obviously. And we
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't we ever, uh, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to read for a living, so I so, sometimes I realize it more than others. Yes, but
1: um, exactly. I know.
0: I didn't have to edit Twilight or anything like Ugh, that. Praise be to the good lord. But-
1: I didn't know it had an editor. Did it? Did it? Uh, yes. Goodness gracious. Do you sometimes that's... read and wonder where the editors were sometimes? Because that's what I read. That's how I read sometimes.
0: Well, I think when it comes to really bad but best-selling novels, the editor was just cashing out and going, all right, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> but...
1: right? Oh, man. And I, I feel as if I've been lately, I feel as if any book I read, I was like, it could have been 100 pages shorter. And I feel like I'm like, am I turning into a grumpy old lady or something? <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, that's uh, that's actually something that I think happens as you read more and Does if that, you read more of the classics. Feel,
1: I just feel like, am I becoming like, yeah, am I becoming a grumpy old lady who can't enjoy a good novel anymore? But that's how I feel time and time again. And that I I, I write my critic- you know, my little reviews on my Goodreads profile, and I see again and again this uh, this novel could have been 150 pages shorter, and I sound like. <laughs> It's like the literary equivalent of, you know, get off my lawn. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah, I remember uh, a girl I was dating at the time, she wanted us to read a book together because she had very different literature, Uh, and so she chose the Da Vinci Code. Oh, no. (laughs) I've always been good at guessing endings because I grew up on spy and thriller novels, and I guessed the ending in the first 20 pages, (laughs) and she's like, how is that possible? I'm like, trust me, it's predictable, this book I could have written for him, and (laughs) That's been my experience uh, and I think uh when most of my friends they were reading the Da Vinci Code and that was like the only book they had read since high school right. so they thought it was really good right. and I think they just forgot about the magic of reading so I would recommend other books and they kept reading other books go whoa that's way better i could see why you hated the Da Vinci Code i'm like yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's very and, and that's very true um i grew up um probably you know through junior high and high school reading um i read every You know, Agatha Christie and Mm -hmm. classic mystery novel. So, you know, I read um, mysteries today and I always see the ending coming and and people are shocked. And I was like, really? Was was that ending supposed to be shocking? (laughs) Because I thought that's what was going to happen the whole time. I was waiting for the twist, you know?
0: Oh well, we found another great reason why your kids should read good literature if they read the mystery novels they'll quit being shocked by endings
1: that's true that's true I
0: know <laughs> uh, there's a there's a great question I do we're running slowly out of time but oh, I have yes, just sure. a couple more questions how do you figure out when a child is age appropriate to read because it sounds like you know your kids might mature a little faster to read something but you know I know Each kid's a little different, but how do you determine that?
1: Yeah, I know that that you know I don't even know if I know.
0: (laughs) Okay, I don't know if anyone knows. Tell you the truth, yeah, I don't know
1: if anyone knows. I think it depends a lot on their attention span. You know, Mm. I don't think you know my kids still. I don't feel like their attention spans are great. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I it I think it depends on their attention span. how they approach things that are imaginary. And I know that's – it feels very – I know this feels very vague. But I don't – it's very hard to – it is hard to explain. But um, yes. I do have – my older daughter, you know, I feel she is a little bit younger. Or she, you know, a little bit more, I guess, innocent, just the way her mind works. And that's fine. That's great. But then um, – My son, who's a year and a half younger than her, he, you know, he wants to read the more exciting stuff. He wants to keep watching Star Wars, you know, where she is a little bit more, you know, sensitive to, you know, action or serious subjects. So, yeah, that is something to definitely you know, pay attention to. I know a lot younger kids than mine who have already read, you know, Lord of the Rings and things like that, which, you know, I just don't think my kids are old enough to to, to absorb and to really get good stuff from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think it, it definitely depends on your child. Yeah. That um,
0: makes perfect sense.
1: Thankfully, there's good stuff for, for any age. I really think. I really think that's true.
0: Perfect and completely understandable. And Then as a final question, uh, you mentioned earlier in this interview that there are many great lists. Can you just tell us, and we'll include these in the show notes, do you know of any lists uh, online or anything like that for parents who are thinking, okay, where do I start finding good books for the kids?
1: Yeah. Oh, you know, there are so many. And um, I'm just trying to rack my brains over what (laughs) is best. Um, I always find... um, Good book lists and good things to read from the Read Aloud Revival podcast by Sarah McKenzie. Mm. Um, she always talks to really great authors who, or um, moms or teachers who also have really good book lists, and she always links to those. So you, I, can, you can really find a wealth of good reading material there. Okay, great. Um, and then I've just trying to think where else I usually go to. I usually just, you know what? I just kind of fall into book lists, good book lists, and I think a lot of mom bloggers share their book lists, what their kids pick up at the pick up at the library, what they like and what they don't like. So mm-hmm. usually, it seems to be fairly um, fairly easy to find. Um, I try and share some on my my blog occasionally when I get around to it. Um, I can't keep up because we really go through. We usually have 50 books out from the library at any given time, and so you know I'm not posting all the books we take out of the library, but there are so many good ones. Um, yeah, I feel like they, they kind of they kind of fall into my lap. so if I remember, I will send you another link, more links.
0: Okay that Perfect. You can put well-
1: in show notes.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think – and I'm trying to wreck my brain as well because I know I've edited a few and yeah, I have no sure clue where have they went. i
1: And where did they go? I know. I feel – yeah. I feel like – and then as soon as I find good ones, I'll put them in my Amazon wish list or I'll just plunk them right into my library system and reserve them online. So so I don't really keep them in – or I don't keep the posts around or the links around as well as I
0: should. Exactly. You know?
1: But I really do feel they're out there if you start – just you know, clicking around. There's tons.
0: There certainly is, and uh, we'll look around for those. But Grissy, thank you so much for joining us. It's a, this was a very fun conversation to talk about books for a few minutes. Yes, and I could
1: obviously talk about it all day.
0: Ah, uh, you and I both. Yeah, <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> well, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Michael.